Good evening, everyone. How are you? This is Pastor Paul. Welcome to another uh, virtual Bible study experience. We are so glad to be back with you all again. Um, last week was amazing, wasn't it? Come on, let's put those thumbs up emojis, clap emojis, fire emojis. And in the chat tonight, Elder Smith did a magnificent job examining that miracle from last week. Man, what an amazing job. Elder Smith, man, thank you so much for the time you spent with God, the time you spent in prayer and in study to share such an amazing word with us. We're back again, y'all, and we're still examining the miracles of the Bible. We are going to gain everyday encouragement from extraordinary events. That's what we're here to do. Our job is to take a slow walk through the miracles of the Bible, be they Old Testament or New Testament, and really dig. I mean, take our time and go through it and pull things from it that help us in the lives that we're living. I believe that there are nuggets in every miracle, things that we can draw from those miracles about the goodness of God, about the nature of God, but also things we can learn about ourselves, our nature, and think tips that we can pick up um, to tell us how we are supposed to conduct ourselves. So I'm ready to go ahead and get started. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have blessed us to see. We thank you for being so good to us, so kind, so patient, so loving, so compassionate, so generous. We thank you for being God because, Lord, there is none like you. We are grateful to you for our salvation, grateful to you for how you provide for us and how you protect us. We are just filled with gratitude tonight, and we want to say that we love you, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, to share your heart with us tonight through the teaching of your word. Lord God, make things plain to us so that we can gain an understanding. Your word declares that in all our getting, we should get understanding. That's what we are after on tonight. Bless every person who is here tonight and those who will view this broadcast at later dates. In Jesus' name, transform lives and save souls. Amen. Come on, everybody. Let's thank the Lord tonight. I'm looking down at, uh, at the chat tonight. Welcome, everybody, on YouTube. Welcome, everyone, on Facebook. I am very, very, very glad to be back with you again. Would you do me a favor and take a moment and share this out on your page? Just go ahead. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and like it and then share it on your Facebook page. Just go ahead and just share it. And then also, if you're on YouTube, all you have to do is just copy that link and email that or text that to a family member or friend, and they can be a part of this virtual Bible study. I'm telling you, um, we are going to grow so much. We're going to gain so much from this study. I believe that's why God led us to this study so that we can learn and so that we can grow in our walk with Christ. Are you ready? Tonight, we are going to examine the miracle of the woman with the issue of blood. We're going to Mark chapter five. We're going to start at verse 25. Mark chapter five and verse 25. Yes, the miracle of the woman with the issue of blood. We are going to dig into this miracle. Now, I have to be honest with you. This is one of my favorite miracles to teach. 
every time, I mean, every time I study this or I read it, I learn something that is brand new to me in a text that I have been studying for about 25 years or so. And so tonight, I'm excited to share with you what God has revealed to me as we examine this miracle. Let's begin with verse 25, Mark 5, 25, and we're reading from the King James Version. Here's what it says. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched me? Or excuse me, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto, saith unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and saith thou who touched thee? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman came fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her. She came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Wow, what a wonderful reading. So what we're going to talk about here tonight is the experience that this woman had with Christ and how she handled the situation that she found herself in and how Christ responded to her. Now, every week we like to begin with a catalyst because I believe that every miracle has something that got it set it in motion, that got it started. Every time we've studied, even last week with Elder Smith, he exposed to us or revealed to us what the catalyst of the miracle was. Why did the miracle take place in the first place? Well, we know that the reason for the miracle was because there was a woman who was sick for 12 years who needed healing from the master. We know that that's the reason, but let's go back just a little bit to draw into the catalyst. Prior to Jesus meeting this woman, there were people in another city who asked him to leave. There's two miracles. There's a miracle prior to this one where Jesus was in another city and a man was filled with them with demons. And when G Jesus cast the demons out of the man, through pigs that ran and jumped off of a cliff, the people asked him to leave their coast. So he got back into his boat and he went back towards the area where he landed, which is where this woman was. And so he leaves. And this is why 
because he does not want to stay where he is not wanted. Very clear speaking here. Jesus is not going to stay where he is not wanted. He does not force himself upon us. Very important for us to understand. Jesus is not going to force himself on anybody. We've got to be willing to receive him. Somebody say amen. Now, if it had not been, though, for their rejection of him where he was, he would not be where this woman needed to be needed him to be. Listen now, if those people had not rejected Jesus, he would not been have been there so that she could touch him. Everything, whether we understand it or not, whether we like it or not, happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. I guess this woman is saying, thank God y'all didn't want him because I sure needed him. But there's more. There's more. A man named Jairus is awaiting Jesus's arrival as he travels by boat to his shores because his daughter is close to death. So I want to drop this nugget in here. This is just for you now. Never be discouraged because of those who do not appreciate you, because God always has someone who does. Somebody ought to shout over that tonight. Never be discouraged because of those who do not appreciate you. Because God always has someone else who does. The men on the other coast wanted nothing to do with Jesus. After the miracle of deliverance of the man filled with demons, they asked him to leave. They didn't want him. So Jesus left. Oh, God, but there was somebody waiting on the other side who wanted Jesus, who wanted his intervention, who wanted his help. And the same in your life. There are people who may never appreciate you. And I just want to help you for a moment. Don't make the mistake that I've made in my lifetime. Don't chase after people who don't want you. Oh, God. It was a liberating day when God told me, look here, if they don't want to be bothered with you, shake the dust off your feet and move on because there will be somebody else who will appreciate the gift you have, who will appreciate the person that you are. Come on, y'all. I'm saying it to you right now. There are people who do not appreciate you or your gift or what you contribute, but that's okay. There are plenty of people <laughs> that God will bring into your life who will appreciate what others have rejected. This is why Jesus never let himself be down when people would not receive him because he knew that there was other work for him to do in other places. And so he leaves and he goes to the other shore and there Jairus is ready to receive him. But it is also Jairus's request for help that places Jesus in the path of this woman with the issue of blood. I want to say it again. It is Jairus's plea for help, his request for help 
that puts Jesus in the path of this woman with the issue of blood. So let's back up for a moment. Let's pull it all together. The rejection of Jesus placed him where Jairus needed him. And the need of Jairus placed Jesus where the woman needed him. There is an interconnectedness to life that can only be attributed to God. There is a way that things just seem to come together. One group rejecting Jesus makes him available to Jairus. Jairus asking Jesus for help makes him available for the woman with the issue of blood. If one of those things had not happened, we might not be examining this miracle. What are you saying, Pastor Paul? I'm saying that everything, whether we understand it or not, whether we like it or not, happens for a reason. This concept is called divine providence. Everybody say with me, divine providence. A website called gotquestions.org defines divine providence as the governance of God by which he with wisdom and love cares for and directs all things in the universe. Can I tell you something? That God is in control. Everything that happens is happening by the divine providence of God. God is working things out so that it flows in line with his plan. Jeremiah 29 and 11. I don't have to quote it. You all know it. But for those who may not know it, guess what it says? I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not of evil to, to bring you to an expected end. God knows what it takes to get you what he wants you to have. Oh, when it's time for your deliverance, God knows what people to put in place. God knows what to cause to happen in order to get you in the place of your miracle. So God just allows for them to reject Jesus because a Jairus that needed Jesus was waiting on him by the shore. And he allows Jairus to come ask Jesus for help because a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years needed deliverance. I want you to just think back just for a moment about God's divine providence operating in your life. And I want you to go into a praise right now. How many ways has God made for you? How many miracles has God done for you? Come on, y'all. How many times has God worked things out in your favor? Come on and give God the glory. Sometimes while we're experiencing something, while it's happening, we don't understand what's going on. We don't understand why it's happening, but you know what they say? Hindsight is 2020. When you look back at that thing and you look at how God was moving in the background, even when you couldn't see him, you see his fingerprints all over everything that happened in your life. And then you start praising God because you realize that it was God who was bringing you along. It was God who was working your situation out. Even in the midnight hour, God was turning it around. Fred Hammond, you're absolutely right. Late in the midnight hour. Oh, my God. That's why the scripture says weeping endure for a night. But joy 
cometh in the morning. Somebody shout with your pastor on tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, God is working things out. Romans 8.28 describes it this way. Come on, y'all know it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Would you please type in the timeline tonight? I know God is working it for my good. Come on, do that for me. I know God is working it for my good. Glory to God. The Amplified Bible puts it just a little differently, just a little bit. Listen to this. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Divine providence is God's caring, loving, wise intervention in the affairs of the earth and in the affairs of man. Loving, caring, and wise intervention. It is literally God moving behind the scenes. Elder Johnson introduced a, a, uh, a statement to me that I never heard before. He said, saints of God, we have got to be able to trust God even when we can't trace him. Because sometimes we can't see his moves, but it does not mean that he is not moving. This woman with the issue of blood knew nothing of what happened on the other side of the water. She knew nothing of Jairus's situation that would cause Jesus to be right where she needed him. All she knew is that she had a situation that she needed his help for. And God worked it where Jesus would be right where she needed him to be. Now let's examine the miracle. In Mark 5 and 25, it says, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Let's deal with these two verses. There are a few things that I want us to take notice of tonight. Number one, this woman was not identified by her name. It didn't say Shirley had an issue of blood or Beatrice had an issue of blood. It says a certain woman. He, he leaves her anonymous. And I have always believed that her name is not given so that we understand that what was possible for her can be possible for us if we would follow the same type of faith steps that she did. 
I believe that sometimes the Bible leaves the person anonymous so that we know that if we believe that miracles can also happen in our lives. All we have about her is the data. That's all we get. Mark only gives us the data. Here's what he gives us. Her diagnosis and the length of her illness. That's all we have. Her diagnosis, which is an issue of blood. It means that she was bleeding beyond the time of bleeding. She continued to bleed. And her length of illness was that this bleeding was happening for a period of 12 years of her life. 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. I want y'all to think about that. 12 years. We have been experiencing what we're experiencing for going on, going into the third year. And I've already heard people complain and, and I'm tired and I'm sick. 12 years. She experienced this for 12 years. When I read this, I was so convicted for every time that I complained about two years, 12 years, 12 years, she had to wake up with the same problem that she had the day before. God, think about it. But here is a point of celebration, if I can call it that. Even though she had bled for 12 years, during that time, she never gave up on getting better, even though she grew worse. Oh, my God. Even though, y'all, this lady bled for 12 long years, every day for 12 long years, she never gave up on getting better even though it grew worse. How do I know? The scripture said she suffered many things of many physicians and has spent all that she had, but was nothing better, but rather grew worse. She kept trying. She did not give up on getting better. She kept going to a different doctor, hoping that the results would be different. I want to just encourage somebody today who's been dealing with something for a long time. I want to ask you, please do not give up on things getting better, even when it gets worse. Oh, somebody ought to make that declaration today. I will not give up on things getting better, even when it looks like it's getting worse. We got to keep our faith in God. We got to keep our trust in God. Unfortunately for this woman, she was putting her faith in men, putting her faith in physicians. And this sad commentary shows us how feeble man's solutions are without God. 
I read commentary and I didn't want to go too deep into this, but the things that they said that this woman would be told to do seems to me to be utterly ridiculous. There's one situation where they said for her to sit where the roads cross with a, a glass with some wine and have somebody come up behind her and scare her and tell her to be healed of her flux. What? <laughs> Listen, there are some situations in life that are what we have named nothing but God situations. Men's ideas, men's plans, men's solutions were all too feeble, too weak, too ineffective to do what this woman needed her needed in her life. And it's the same today. There are people, y'all, who are really trying to come up with solutions for problems that are God-sized. And I just want to say that a God-sized problem needs a God-sized solution. <laughs> there are some things that only he can fix. That's what this woman was up against. She was up against a situation where 12 years into her suffering, she would meet her savior. I'm going to tell y'all, there is an expiration date on trouble. <laughs> There's an expiration date on trouble. There's a song that we used to sing that said, trouble don't last always. Come on, clap your hands, stomp your feet if you know it. Trouble don't last always. God has a day in mind that we are unaware of where he is going to bring forth the solution to whatever it is we're dealing with. This woman didn't know it. She didn't know it when she woke up that morning that God was going to have Jesus come her way. But what I want to thank God for is that she was in position in her mind and in her spirit where she could give it one more try instead of giving up. Oh, child of God, don't you dare give up too soon because you may wake up tomorrow and tomorrow might be the day that God brings your solution forth. <laughs> oh, somebody encourage your neighbor in the chat and tell them, Hang in there just a little while longer. <laughs> so this woman, verse 27, let's go there. We're going to take this in, in just a few scriptures together. We, we got about three we're going to kind of look into at this moment. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. I want you to really pay attention to what Mark writes for us when she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now he tells us what she did first. Now he's going to tell us why she did it. Verse 28, for she said, 
if I may touch but his clothes, I shall behold. Read it again. Pick out the words that really stand out to you. For she said, and I'm putting emphasis on the word to sort of give you some, you know, give you some, some tips. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall behold. Verse 29 gives us the result. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. All right. So first, Mark reveals to us the action that the woman took when she heard about Jesus. When she heard of Jesus, which means that somebody was sharing about Jesus. Somebody told her or she overheard somebody saying that Jesus was coming. Now, also along with that, there must have been some other information that was pertinent that she needed to hear about Jesus that would cause her to believe that he could help. Maybe somebody was sharing about something that they heard that Jesus had done for someone else. Or maybe somebody in the crowd was sharing about something that Jesus had done for them. Either way, what I'm trying to say here is that it's very important that we share who Jesus is and what he does. It's very important that we do not hide and keep for ourselves our personal testimonies and even the things that we have learned through scripture or the testimonies that have been shared with us because there's always somebody in need of Jesus. And so that lady's faith was stirred up by her hearing of Jesus. And so she responded. I want to say, even though her faith was stirred up, faith without works is dead. Why? Because it's alone. So she came in the press. She moved. She acted. She did not just sit there and say, oh, I wish Jesus would come over to me. I wish he would find me where I am. Maybe he'll maybe he'll come to my house. Maybe if I stand over by the sycamore tree, maybe he'll spot me and see me like he did with Zacchaeus up in the tree. And Zacchaeus acted too. She moved on her faith. She didn't just say it. She moved on it. And here's what she said. This is so good. If I may but touch but his clothes, I shall behold. If, the, if there's a chance that I could touch his clothes. She wasn't certain about that part. She, she wasn't certain about being able to touch his clothes. But she was saying to herself, if I could get to where I can touch his clothes, I shall be healed. No doubt about that. No if, no ands, no buts, or maybe. She said, if I can get to him, and if I can touch his clothes from what I know about Jesus, from what I've heard about Jesus, from what I believe about Jesus and his power, if I can make it to him and touch his clothes, I shall be whole. My goodness. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. 
So I asked myself the question, why touch his clothes? Why not touch him? Or why not ask him to touch her? Why is it that she said to herself, if I can touch but his clothes, I shall be whole? Well, it was because she was ceremonially and socially unclean because of her condition. A woman in her condition was deemed to be unclean. And anyone who touched her or was touched by her, who sat in the chair she sat in, who lie in the bed that she laid in, they would be considered also unclean. She was not allowed to go to worship. Commentator said that she had to divorce her husband, be estranged from her family. She lost her ability to go with the women in the courtyard, temple. Her whole life was turned upside down by this sickness. And yet, she is unselfish enough not to touch Jesus so that he would become unclean in her mind. So she touched his clothes instead. Oh, oh, this woman, she is so, even in her pain and her suffering, she's thinking about somebody else. How many people do you know that in the midst of their pain and suffering and the opportunity for deliverance comes along that they're thinking about somebody else? Most people, when that happens, they become selfish and they only think about their own survival and what's best for them. But this woman is not just thinking about herself. She's thinking about Jesus. She does not want to make him unclean. So she touches his clothes. But what she didn't know. And that when you touch Jesus, what you got doesn't affect him, but what he has will affect you. <laughs> she could not make him unclean, but he could certainly make her clean. Uh, she didn't know that, though. She didn't know that. She didn't know that. We're shouting about that right now, but she didn't know that. So she touches his clothes instead. The, the men, the Jewish men, they wore robes and it had tassels that hung down. It identified them as men of God, Jewish men. And so the, the commentator said that she touched down near where the tassels were. <sighs> this is why. Listen to this now. Pull from this. This is why she only said this to herself. Because if someone else knew, they would have surely tried to talk her out of it. So she knew enough to keep this plan to herself. She knew that if the wrong person heard her say, I'm going out there to touch Jesus' clothes. They would have tried to talk her out of doing it. I have learned from this lady that sometimes we've got to be careful 
how much information we share with whom. There are some people you can trust. They'll work with you. Oh, they'll believe God with you. They'll pray with you. But some people, if you tell them, if you tell them what you're believing for, they'll tell you how impossible it is because they don't want you to be disappointed. They don't want you to be let down. So they tell you, no, don't pray for that. No, don't believe for that. No, you can't trust God to do that. That's too big. That's too much. So she kept it to herself. She said to herself, sometimes you have to say to yourself. Sometimes you have to build yourself up by repeating the promises of God, which are yes and amen to yourself. Now, what she was repeating was not a promise of God, but she was repeating what she needed to say in order to gain the faith that she needed to move on her faith and touch his clothes. What I'm saying to you today is that there's so much scripture that describes to you what God has promised for you. That is your information. That is your script. That is what we say to ourselves over and over and over again. The God that I serve is able to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. The God I serve sent his word and healed them. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. Come on, somebody talk to me here. Nothing is impossible for my God. Sometimes we have to talk to ourselves to keep our faith on high levels so that we can continue to move forward believing God. I want to just share with you just a moment that this woman is pretty amazing. She's pretty amazing. But let's examine verse 28 for a moment. She used the word whole. Do you see that word there, whole? She said that I'll be whole. What exactly does that mean? Whole. Because she didn't say healed. She also said she also didn't say I'll be better. She said I'll be whole. The word whole is the word sozo. Which means to save, to heal and to make whole. The idea behind the word sozo is that of saving someone from disease and its effects. Hear that, hear that. The idea behind the word sozo is that of saving someone from disease or sickness and its effects. So now remember, in verse 29, the woman touched the hem of his garment. She did. And her blood, her flow of blood, it immediately dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now, now think about this for a minute. She said that she would be whole. But Mark tells us that she knew that she was healed. She was believing for wholeness. And what she received, Mark describes as healing. Hmm. Interesting. 
Let's go forth to see what happens next. Verse 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. So when the woman touched his clothes, the scripture says immediately the flow of blood dried up. And then we get to verse 30, and it says, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes immediately. Just as soon as she touched him <clears throat> or his clothes, Jesus knew it. The power that she needed mm, to heal her of her 12 years of sickness immediately flowed out of him as she touched his clothing. Y'all, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The moment she touched his clothing, healing transferred from Christ to her and may and healed her of a 12 year sickness in a moment but it was after 12 years sometimes the bible does not tell us how long somebody went through something before they got their healing but here it does what happened for her happened immediately but it only happened because over a 12-year period, she refused to give up. She refused to give up on the idea of being healed. And so God set it up where there would be an immediate in her life. She touched him, and right then, the blood stopped. After 12 years of bleeding, the moment she touched his clothes, it stopped. But in that same moment, Jesus realizes that virtue or power has gone out of him. And so Jesus turns around in the crowd looking around and he says, listen now, who touched my clothes? I might have said, who touched me? But Jesus said, who touched my clothes? In verse 31, it says, and his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee. And sayest thou, who touched me? Now, let's not be hard on those guys, because we might have said the same thing. Because it says he turned about in the press. So there's obviously a huge crowd surrounding Jesus. We don't know how many people were there, but I, I would I would like to say that quite possibly maybe almost the whole town, the whole city was there. That's the way it was everywhere. Jesus would go somewhere, they bring all the sick people in town to see Jesus. So when he hit the shore and people found out he was there, a crowd immediately began to come together. 
But as I said about two weeks ago or more, and Elder Smith said on last week, crowds are not always good. Everybody in crowds don't always want something from him or don't want him. Some people are just hanging out. They're just there to see the parade. So Jesus turns around amongst all these people and he asks, who touched my clothes? So the disciples responded as anybody would. Jesus, there are a lot of people around you, man. Why are you asking who touched you? A lot of people touched you. People have been touching you and bumping into you since we left the shore. <laughs> and he looked around, it says, verse 32. He looked around about to see her that had done this thing. Not to see who had done this thing. <laughs> but to see her that had done this thing. Okay. Okay. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep myself composed, okay? All right, here we go. In that crowd of people that Jesus was in, he was aware that someone had touched his clothes. People get pickpocketed in crowds someone will reach into their wallet and take their wallet out of their pocket and they won't even know it there have been situations where women in crowds have had their purses the straps cut and the person make off with the purse and they don't even know it Jesus is in a crowd, y'all. And he is aware that someone has touched his clothing. Now, saints of God, people of God, beloved, if he was aware of that, what else is he aware of? Ah, ah. I want you to think about it for a moment. If he was aware that someone touched his clothes in a crowd, what else is he aware of? If in a sea of people, he could know that someone touched his clothing, then how can we think that he might be unaware of us? How in the world can we think that he does not know what's going on in our life, what we need, how we need him to move. Oh, I wish I had a witness tonight that he knows who you are, where you are, what you're dealing with. Oh God, help me here. He knows it's not happening behind his back. If he can know that someone touched his clothes in a sea of people, Certainly, he knows what's going on with us. Oh, this is too good. I understand 
that he felt virtue or power leaving him. But he knew that she touched his clothing and not his person. To be able to tell the difference between a touch of his clothes and a touch of his person with all those people around him. It shows how, what's the word am I, I'm searching for? It shows how uh, intimate his knowledge is, how intricate it is, how, how detailed his understanding is. Oh gosh. Oh my goodness. The things he knows, y'all. There's a song that says he knows just how much we can bear. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. He knows you. He knows how you feel. The scripture says he knows our thoughts from afar off. He absolutely knows. And he knew it was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knew it was her. But let's get back to what the disciples said. There are a bunch of people thronging you, touching you. Why are you asking us who touched you? Hmm. So, what is the difference between what she did and what the others did? There are a lot of people out there, and I'm sure they were touching Jesus. But it kind of led me to ask the question, what was the difference between what she did and what they did? Why was it that she could that she could touch him and he feel power leave his body and the other people touch him and he feel nothing? I, I'm asking for a friend. I. Y'all, talk to me. Talk to me in the timeline. How? What happened? Why is it that when those other people touched him, no power left? But when she touched him, he stops at his tracks and asks, who touched my clothes? Lord have mercy. So here's the answer that I got. Maybe there is a difference between just being a member of the crowd and bumping into him and being inspired by faith to touch him on purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I believe that there is a difference in just being the member of the crowd. And just bumping into Jesus, inadvertently coming into contact with him because we happen to be in close proximity to him. I believe that there's a difference between that and being inspired by faith to go over to him and touch him on purpose. That lady, she meant it when she touched him. <laughs> 
Yeah, I saw somebody in the timeline say she's a believer. Yes, yeah, she is. She believed with every fiber of her being that if she touched him, something wonderful would happen. And you want to know what? It did. Now, let's take a moment to reread verse 32. And I want you to really read it. Okay? Because it opens the door to the beautiful thing that happens next. All right? So I want you to really read verse 32. You ready? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. It opens the door to the beautiful thing that happens next. Let's go to verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Jesus stops the whole processional to Jairus' house. Keep in mind, Jairus' daughter is at the point of death. She's dying. He needs Jesus to get there quick. But Jesus thinks that this moment is so important that he can't just keep going. He has to stop because there are some very important things he needs to do. And in order for him to do it, she has to come forward and identify herself. She, she, she came in anonymously and touched him because she didn't want to make him unclean, but she didn't want to bother him either. But Jesus felt like he needed to stop because he needed to say some things to her. He needed to do some things in her life. He needed to speak some things into her life. And he had to stop and she had to come forward and identify herself in order for it to happen. Huh. So these are the reasons that Jesus wanted her to come forward. Number one, he wanted everyone to hear her testimony especially Jairus. He wanted everybody there to hear about her 12 years and about the, the, the thing that she built up in her mind to do. He wanted everybody to know how she came in and she touched the hem of his garment and immediately she was healed of her sickness. He wanted everyone to hear it, but he especially wanted Jairus to hear it because things for Jairus was about to get worse. Number two, he wanted to call her daughter. And she needed that so desperately after everything that she had been through, after all of the things that she had lost, she needed to hear that word. She needed to know that she mattered. She needed to know that she counted. She needed to know that God saw her and that he loved her. So he calls her daughter. Number three, he wanted to acknowledge her faith. He wanted to let her know, yes, your faith is what caused this moment to manifest in your life. 
He needed to acknowledge her faith in front of her, in front of them, and even for us so that we can know that faith is that important. <laughs> Number four, he wanted to tell her to go in peace. That word go in peace, it is defined as the sense of rest and contentment. Can you imagine after 12 years of going through what she went through, how that lady's nerves and everything was? Nervous about touching things, nervous about going pl things, places, being uncomfortable everywhere she was. He said to her, now go in peace. And then number five, he wanted to tell her in front of all those gathered in that crowd that she was whole. Because if she had just gone back home and said, I'm whole now, baby, they would not have believed her. So in front of everybody, so this lady could go back to her life, so that she could go back to church, so that she could go back to her family. Come on. He says in front of all of them, you're whole. He needed to stop the parade in order to say those five things to her. And that word whole, he told her she was whole. Let's go back to that word whole. The word is sozo, which means to save, heal, and make whole. Remember, the idea behind the word sozo is that of saving from a disease and its effects. What are effects? Effects are a change that results when something is done or happens. A change that happens as a result of an event or a condition. It is a state of affairs that is produced by a cause. What is her state of affairs? She was bleeding for 12 years. She had gone through so much. What was the cause? Her sickness. So here are the effects that she was delivered from. Are you ready? She was delivered from embarrassment. She was delivered from loss of relationships. Come on. She was healed from loss of income. She was made whole of loss of time. She was made whole of loss of community, both spiritual and social. And she was whole, made whole of loss of her identity. He gave it all back to her. <laughs> when he made a hole and she said, if I touch his clothes, I'll be whole. And just what she believed for. That's what he did. Thank you, Lord, for that word. So not only did he heal her and deliver her from her sickness, but he delivered her from what her sickness had done to her. I want to say to you tonight that not only is God able to deliver you from what you're dealing with, he's able to deliver you from what from what, what you're dealing with has done in your life. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for a wonderful class who stuck with us every moment of the way in examining this miracle. And tonight, God, I believe we all gained everyday encouragement from this extraordinary event. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so, so much for being here. We pray God's richest blessings upon you. And if you're watching tonight and you're not saved, you're not a Christian, and you want to invite Christ into your life tonight, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for all of my sins and everything I've done that was against your will. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart <clears throat> that Jesus is Lord. And that he died on the cross to save me from my sins. I believe also that God raised him from the dead and that he is alive forevermore, making intercession 
for the saints. Thank you, Lord, for saving me in Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer tonight, I want to ask you to please text the word salvation to 912-325-9959. 912-325-9951. Text the word, excuse me, 9959, excuse me. Text the word salvation to that number. When you do that, you receive a return text. It'll have a link in it. Click that link. When that link opens, it'll have an explanation of the decision that you made tonight. And beneath that will be a questionnaire. If you fill that out and you give us permission to, we'll reach out to you and give you support in your new life in Jesus Christ. Let me be the first to say welcome to the body of Christ. Well, everyone, we've had a beautiful night. And I want to thank you all for hanging out with us. It's 8.02. We've gone over just a little bit. But thank you all so much for your patience. I just want to let you know that this coming Sunday, we are going to be celebrating our 21st year of ministry here at Real Life Christian Fellowship Church. And we have a man of God who is going to come and who's going to preach the word of God and help us celebrate. And he's going to inspire us and encourage us to forge ahead in 2022. Elder Albert Smith is going to be sharing the word with us this Sunday. He's going to be live on Facebook and on YouTube. Okay. Going to be virtual only this Sunday. Tune in at 10 a.m. to receive the word of God from the man of God. Well, that's everything for tonight. I want to say thank you all so much for being a part of tonight's study. And I want to, on behalf of myself, Pastor Leslie and our leadership team, Say God bless you, have a great week, and make sure that you stay safe. Now, I want to speak over your life, the blessings of God, hmm, for the people of God, the blessing that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you stay tuned for our virtual announcements.